Welcome to the Byron and Pace podcast. You've tuned in to Sandstone Stories. Take a seat and they'll be with you shortly. We're back for episode two of yeah. Byron and Pace show. This is another Sandstone Stories. Oh man. How are you feeling for this one? I feel worse than I did last time. But more prepared? More prepared, physically worse. I had possibly the only big night of the whole year last night. It's been, a, it's been a COVID year, so. Yeah. I um, spent the first six months of the year not drinking, and then we've been in lockdown for the next half of the year. Mm. So not feeling great, but. The show must go on. The show must go on. And I would say having edited last week's, I think we've got a better idea of how the structure works and the stories. Mm. I have a feeling my stories are a bit tighter this time. I think they're much tighter. They're better well said. Yeah. Um, I think we went, we rambled on a little bit in the other stories. That's just because we're finding our footing. But this could be a shorter episode with the same amount of stories. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah, I wrote most of my stories last week. So if I can remember them, I'll be impressed. Awesome. Well, we've got a whiskey. Oh, my gosh. It tastes very different. It's it like smoky. What is this? It's a Tenjaku, Tenjaku, Japanese whiskey. Nice. Yeah. All right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first, lay it on me. All right. I got a, I got a great one to start with. <laughs> okay. So depending on your point of view on life, this is either the unluckiest man or the luckiest man alive. Amazing. So his name is Salik. So Salik's near-death experiences begin in January 1962 when he was riding a train through a cold, rainy canyon and the train flew off the tracks and crashed into a river. Uh-huh. An unknown person pulled Salik to safety while 17 other passengers drowned. Salik suffered a broken arm and hypothermia. The next year during his first and only plane ride of his life, he was blown out of a malfunctioning plane door and landed in a haystack. The plane <laughs> crashed, killing 19 people. Three years after that, in 1966, a bus that he was riding skidded off the road and into a river, drowning four passengers. Salik swam to shore with a few cuts and bruises. We're just getting warmed up. Jesus, okay. In 1970, his car caught fire and he was driving and he managed to escape before the fuel tank blew up. Three years later, in another driving incident, the engine of the car was doused with hot oil from a malfunctioning fuel pump, causing flames to shoot through the air vents. Salek's hair, it's my New Zealand accent there, Salek's hair was completely singed in the incident, but otherwise he was unharmed. <sighs> 1995, 15 years later, he was struck by a bus in Zagreb but sustained only minor in- injuries. In 1996, he eluded a head-on collision with a United States truck on a mountain curve by swerving into a guardrail, which gave way under the force. Salak was not wearing a seatbelt and was ejected out of the car, <sighs> clinging to a tree branch as he watched his vehicle fall 300 feet. Two days after his 73rd birthday, Salak won 90,000 90, euros, no, 900,000 euros or 1.1 million US dollars in the lottery. At the time of this win, he also married for the fifth time. While he purchased two houses and a boat with his winnings in 2010, he gave up most of it, gave, gave away most of his remaining money away to relatives and friends after deciding to live a frugal lifestyle. Oh my God. <laughs> Is this guy from Ukraine? I don't know. He's Zagreb. From, where's that? Ukraine, they made him up. Croatia? So. Oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, Is it real? Is it fake? My guess is it has to be real. There's no way you'd be clever enough to come up with all that information. Unless I put in a few fake ones in there with the real ones. Well, how am I going to know, man? There's so many stories. What do you think? I reckon reckon if you did put in fake ones, then it's bullshit. As in like... Um, An unfair strategy. Then it's an unfair strategy. However, 
I think it's true. It's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree. I think it's an unfair strategy. It's yeah. such a cop out. Just take totally. it. Like my Toy Story one, I completely made up the whole, mm. completely redid it. But if I just added in like one story in here. Yeah. <laughs> completely true. Um, and so that's what I mean. Like if you Google the unluckiest man alive, he comes up. <laughs> but if you Google the luckiest man alive, he also comes up. So it depends on your point of view. Th- is he still alive? No. Um, I think he's still alive. I mean, 2010 was a, is the last thing. So I don't know. He's only 73. So I bet COVID got him. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I bet it did. I bet, I bet he got like COVID like three times first, or something. The first person in Europe or something. Wow. What a life. Pretty you cool. think you'd learn your lesson? What, what was he like? One of the last ones was he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Yeah, 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 true. But it's because he wasn't wearing, wearing the seatbelt that he flew out of the car and he stayed alive and he managed to grab onto a tree. What a hero! Which is not we're not advocates for not wearing seatbelts. No, um, isn't it interesting? I just ate my own words and told a two and a half minute story. Yeah, <laughs> it's like straight off the bat. Yeah, yeah, but it's a good one. It is. And a it good was tight, one. like you know. But wow. yeah, all um, right. Shalak, what's his name? Shalak. Salak. Salak. S-E-L-A-K-S. Salak. There you go. Salak. You guys can fact check us. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Okay, let me set this up. The British hockey team once withdrew from the Olympics because they were afraid of the embarrassment of losing to one of their own colonies. So this was when India first joined the Olympics. They first put their hockey team into the Olympics. Right. Britain were the defending Olympic champions and had, had gold medals from like 1908 to 1920. When the Indian team grabbed a gold at the Amsterdam Olympics, and then they maintained that dominance for the next like two decades. So before before the Amsterdam Olympics, the Indians had beaten the British in like a non-Olympics right. match. So it wasn't as official. Yeah, but the the British were too afraid to to go into the Olympics that year because they didn't want to lose to one of their own colonies. Egos, man. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? But is it true? <laughs> I don't, I can't see you making this up. It's too like weird, unless you manipulated it or some sort of story. I'm gonna yeah. say it's true. It is true. Yes, it is true. It sounds like something Britain would do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, totally they, wanted, they totally wanted to colonize the whole world, didn't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, did they kind of yeah. fist of it. But yeah. Yeah. Cowards. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, India dominates, and because it's got such a big population. Yeah. That's always been why it's crazy to me that Australia and New Zealand even have a fighting chance in any sport. Because our population is so tiny. I'm just waiting for China to win everything. Yeah. Surely. It's coming. Yeah. But I think, I mean, they win a lot of the individual sports. Right. But the team sports, which is like, as we were talking off camera before about football and the culture of football, like they don't have that. And they'll never have that culture that like the UK has or Brazil has Mm. where it's like part of just who you are. Yeah. So I think that could affect like the actual team sports. Totally. Yeah. So there you go. One for the Indians. There you go. Two true stories. Two true. I was almost going to start with a fake just to throw just, a, a spanner in the works. On my toes. I didn't know. All right. All right. Here's a quick one. Netflix marketing team releases memes about shows to give off the appearance that everyone is watching said show. Since people have FOMO, they watch the shows to understand the memes <laughs> until everyone eventually watches it. They built establishing relationships with the largest meme account in the world on Instagram. Yeah. And this is why you often see really shitty memes that don't really work and aren't that funny. Constantly shared across Instagram. Some of the biggest, right. some of the biggest, mm, some of the biggest examples include the show You, like the Stalker one, yeah, the latest Tiger King series, which has just been released, Squid Games, yeah, and many other hit Netflix shows. This sounds true. I reckon that's true. For sure, for sure, they partner. 
I don't know. Partner with meme accounts. This is a conspiracy theory. Oh, really? So no one knows. Now we're entertaining conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. theories. Great. I, so yeah, I guess there's no points here. Yeah. But I don't know. Why it hasn't they? been, it's, you couldn't say it's true sure. with evidence. But but I couldn't say it's false. On the other hand, if someone sees the show, like it's quite highly likely that someone's going to make some shitty meme about it anyway. Yeah, but you just see like- Everyone wants to be the first person to make the meme sort of thing. Yeah, but I think you see really bad ones and you see them constantly. And if there's money exchanged there, then that's an ad and they should be promoting it as an ad. Right. So that's actually illegal. Ah. Uh, so- see. I don't know. So yeah, I can't say it's true, but okay. I don't, I feel like it is probably true in some sense. So if Netflix approached you or us mm. to do, to make a shitty meme yeah, yeah. and make it a, and not tell anyone that was an ad, would you do it? Nah. You wouldn't do it? Because it'll bite me in the ass. I swear one day yeah. it'll bite me in the ass. Yeah, fair. And um, but what? Why would they? Yeah, not want it. To, why would they not want it to be an ad? Just for the record, I'm leaving the door open, even though yeah, Brian yeah, no, no, closed no. it. Nah, I mean, I'm too young to hurt my reputation like that. Yeah. Unless it was like, oh, actually, the more money, the worse it'd be, though. True. So yeah, I mean, and that's actually the whole space with crypto and everything. How people are promoting crypto scams, even though they're like affiliated with, like, like J- Jake and Logan Paul both mm. like owned one of these crypto things they created and then they were advertising and like they were just like affiliated with them. Yeah. They didn't disclose that they were like 50% owner in the company, which yeah. is actually illegal, but it's technically not illegal because they haven't set the laws and regulations in for the crypto market yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like unregulated, which is causing all this chaos. Yeah, I think that's pretty gross. But is that true or false? Oh, fuck <laughs> you. Oh. Specifically Logan and Jake Paul? Yeah, that, that last one minute. No, it's not true. It's true. Oh my God. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. You're the worst. Fuck. It's completely true. Um, Jake's just released a, I watch all the stuff on YouTube, man. I watch like, that's like my most favorite stuff to watch. Like right. the apology in, videos. <laughs> no, just like all the scammers and like stay on top of like, influ- like the amount of influencers are doing crypto scams right now. Unbelievable. All NFT stuff. And, NFT. It's yeah. unbelievable. And when I say scams, they're legitimate like pump and dump schemes. They're not mm-hmm. just like, Hey, Here's my NFT if you want to get in on it. That's not a scam. Yeah. But they're like, they're saying this is a new thing. And as soon as it goes public, they pull out. And then, and then it just drops. And everyone, all of their fans are like, you know, got their dick in their hands. Going, yeah. What have I done? So, yeah, I've got a bit serious there. Yeah, okay. I got a point. Nice. <laughs> nice one. All right. Okay. Have you heard about the Lost album of Green Day? No. So in 2003, they were recording an album after their album Warning, which was their second album. So the third album, they were recording it. It was called Cigarettes and Valentines. And they'd finished, they'd finished the album. Uh, the master tapes one night were stolen. Com- they, they stole the master tapes, came back into the studio. There was nothing. They didn't have, they, didn't, they had a couple of demos, like backups of demos that they'd made, but the whole album was gone. And in that moment, they like did some soul searching as a band. They were like, do we record the whole album? Did we even like the album that much? Right. Um, do we even want to keep doing this? Because like it's a massive blow once you've you know been in the studio for that long and, and psyched yourself up for a third album. I mean, what are we talking like a year's worth of work? Two years? Uh well, probably about six months of actual like recording and, and writing and stuff like that. Because you got to tour and everything. Yeah. But they decided instead to scrap the whole album, and that's when they started writing the first song of Jesus of of American Idiot, which was Jesus of Suburbia. They wrote that album, then they released that album, and. It, made them the biggest band in the world. And that's my favorite album of all time. It was my very first album I ever bought. So the person in the world that I would like to thank the most out of anyone musically is, <laughs> is whoever stole that lost album of Green Day. Because if it wasn't for them, then we never would have had American Idiot. 
assuming it's true. It is true. Yes. That it is, is true. It's a good one though. Thank you. That is a really good one. Um, it's probably one of my favorite albums. There's not many albums that I can stay, like in my opinion, that have consistently good songs. Like four, to finish. four to five, six absolute bangers. Like usually yep. there's like one or two great songs in an album that mm. you listen to. But for American Idiot, it's just like bang after Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Wake Me Up When September Ends, Holiday. Yeah, I honestly play me any song on that album yeah. at any time. I'm I'm all about it. It was the first album I ever got on iTunes. Really? I paid like twelve dollars for it. It was nice. like on iTunes because this was back when you had to pay for everything. Yeah. So expensive back then. Yeah, man. That album, I reckon, shaped my shaped a large part of my musical yeah. life. So there you go. Wow. That's a good one. So here's another quick one. Uh-huh. Have you ever wondered why women bruise easier than men? I have legitimately wondered. I think a lot of people have wondered this. Yeah. So is it true that women bruise easier than men? I think it's true because- I would say yes. Of course. Like you see women, they get like- flicked on their thigh and they seem to get yeah. bruises. Yeah. You know, the other day I completely ate shit on the motorbike and I had no <laughs> bruises. Like I stacked, I scraped all over my body and I had nothing. Yeah, yeah. However, everyone is different. And just because some women bruise easily does not mean that they all do. However, Dr. Torkins, I'm going to butcher his name, Dr. Torkinson gave a reason why dermatologists agree that women tend to bruise more easily. This is felt to be due to women's skin having more fat and less collagen. Collagen forms a network of fibers in the skin that hold it together like a net. The collagen supports blood vessels, so they are more protected from injury. The dense collagen layer is thicker in men, and the blood vessels are held more securely, which makes them less likely to break with injury. Wow. Okay. Basically, saying women have an extra layer of fat, and sure. that is what bruises. And like when you know we need paintball at school, and yeah. the girls have these massive like war bruises. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. I thought it was something to do with like iron deficiency. That's what or- everyone assumes. Yeah. yeah. Unless I'm bullshitting. Oh my God. Um, okay, okay, okay. I don't think you're smart enough to come up with that. So I think it's bullshit. No, I think it's true. It's true. You think it's true? Yeah, yes. yeah it's true. It's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking as I read this, I should have dumbed it down a bit. No, but yeah, I remember because I've known this for a while. Yeah. Sometimes it's come up in conversation and I'll be like, yeah, it's because uh, women have an extra layer of fat. And yeah. they're like, excuse me? And I'm like, what are you offended about? It's, it's science. This yeah, isn't my, yeah. I'm not calling you fat. It's just an extra layer. Which it's also, just, I'm not calling you fat. It's just an extra layer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a Byron Dempsey quote. Classic. Um, but I think that also contributes to why women do um, put on weight easier as well. Why? Yeah, the same same thing with the extra layer of fat and collagen. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I th- I think I can't tell you if it's either one. I think I, th- I think you're digging your grave right yeah, now. I am. Um, all right, sweet. I, I got some really good ones here. Mm-hmm. But you know Batman, don't you? I do know Batman. Do you know Scarecrow's drug is real? No. So you know the drug that he sprays people with and then they see the biggest fear and they hallucinate everything they fear? Wow. So it's based off a real concept. Okay. So not many people know this, but back in the 1920s during the First World War and shortly after, a group of scientists began to work on a drug that would make interrogations horrific without physically harming them. Okay. So it was a mental thing. Yep. Uh, the drug B11C12 was nearly complete, but after the First World War, they had to cut costs and the project was let go, the Great Depression and all that. It wasn't a priority. Until the beginning of the Second World War, one scientist named Johann Fitzenberg combined a variety of chemicals with compounds such as MDMA, LSD, basically in disguise that can make you go crazy if taken in large doses and on an uncontrollable perpetual ingestion timescale. So it doesn't run out? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's basically you're overdosing on like these hallucinogenics yeah. along with 
whatever. I don't know the other technology he did. But the drug was a huge success and used in the right settings would cause people to hallucinate their worst nightmares. It was the most efficient means of interrogation. However, very few people ever recovered. The drug would linger in your Whoa. system for years and out of the 25 people who were interrogated with it, 17 were recorded to have taken their own life within 18 months of use. It is God. due to this reason the drug became well and truly illegal. The craziest part of this whole story is Johan refused to stop working on it as it had consumed his life. And one day a leak spread through, through and infected him and his co-workers. Without the proper restraints in place, they all freaked out and accidentally burnt down the entire facility, destroying not just himself, but the remaining copies of B11C12. This led to the drug Scarecrow, which was used for the first time in Batman Begins Comics Edition 345. It has to be bullshit. Really? Yeah. You think it's bullshit? I think it's bullshit. Because it's too crazy. And also people, I don't believe that people would stop using it, even if it made people crazy. Because torture makes people crazy. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> I, made up the, I made up the entire thing. So much detail. Dude, that was, that was my like, I'm going to put, I just completely made it up. I took nothing oh from the web. <laughs> like, I have I'm no, sorry, man. I'm sorry. For all we know, like, some of that could be true, but completely made up. Yeah. I wanted to believe. It's a sick story. It's a sick story. I have no idea where the drug idea came from. Uh-huh. Although there is that drug, you know, that I've seen a Vice documentary about it where you can blow this flower into like dried up flower into someone's face and they do whatever you say for like 24 hours. Bullshit. It's true. You know, wait, it's no, true. No, it's legitimately true. Really? Yeah. It's like- I know, I've never heard of it. No, I know. I've, I've, it is actually true. It's, you like grind it up. It's, it comes from a flower in Colombia or Central, Central America or Northern South America. And it just makes people basically- do whatever you tell them to. How? I don't know. How it, can that? I don't know. And they don't remember. They don't remember anything. You, and you and you. They they literally have people being like, "Oh, can you take us to your house? Or oh, can we have all your things?" And like, yeah, okay, sure. Oh, right. Yeah. So they won't like. So it's like casual, just like like influencing them almost. Yeah, so it's but not like they, they hey, have can you, no. Can you go shoot someone? They have no like ability to 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 filter. To filter. Yeah. Right, right. And they like go to the ATM and just withdraw all their money and give it to someone. That's cool. It's crazy. I want to reset? But it now. is true. <laughs> it is true. All right. What have you got? All right. My final and my final entry today is when they were filming the Wizard of Oz for Professor Marvel's coat. They wanted um, they wanted like an old ratty coat, and they didn't have the right one in the uh, in the in the wardrobe department. So they went down to the old secondhand store on the main street, and they bought back a whole rack of coats that they they picked up. And the wardrobe man and Victor Fleming, the director, got together and chose one. It was kind of like a Prince Albert style coat, apparently. Now, the coat fitted Morgan, the actor, and had the right look and, and was shabby and all the rest of it. So one hot afternoon, Frank turned the pocket outside and on the inside of the, on the name on the inside of the jacket was L. Frank Baum. Now guess who L. Frank Baum is? The writer of The Wizard of Oz. No way. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And <laughs> apparently they sent pictures back to the tailor and the tailor recognized it as one of the coats that he'd made for the writer. And then Baum's widow identified the coat after the picture was taken. And um, yeah, got to be real. It is real. Yeah, there's no what. There's no disrespect, but like it's <laughs> such a unique thing for someone to make up. Yeah. Um, How th- crazy that's is that? Sick, though. That is sick. Actually, I've got one. I got something crazy like that. I'll, I'll, I'll finish on this one. I've, I've been coming across some awesome stories. I was going to hold it off, but I just want to finish on it because this, this oh. one made me like, this is crazy. Okay. So, a bullet that reached its destination one year later. So, Henry Zeigloud thought he had dodged fate. In 1883, he broke off a relationship with his girlfriend who, out of distress, committed suicide. The girl's brother was so enraged 
that he hunted down Henry and shot him. The brother, believing he had killed Henry, then turned the gun and shot himself. But Henry had not been killed. The bullet, in fact, had only grazed his face and then lodged in a tree. Henry surely thought himself a lucky man. (sighs) Some years later, however, Henry decided to cut down the large tree which still had the bullet in it. The task seemed so formidable that he decided to blow it up with a few sticks of dynamite. The explosion propelled the bullet into Henry's head and killed him one year later. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's true, isn't it? It's true. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Bro. This is why I love this show. Bro. How? How can that be possible? That's amazing. I mean, it could be fake and I've been stitched up, but I didn't come up with that story. Yeah. And apparently it's true. So that's an amazing story. Yeah. Thank you for that. Shit. All right. Here and ends episode two of Sandstone Stories. Cheers. Nice one. Um, Yeah. What do you guys have to do if you're listening? You have to send us in. If you have any stories that you know of or that happened to you, send them in. Just DM them to one of us, not to the Sandstone, not to the Bar and a Pace page, because otherwise we'll both see it. Um, And then give us a review on whatever podcasting platform you might be listening to, because it takes like, you could literally do it while you're listening right now. By the time I finish plugging this, you could have left like a five-star review because it helps the show get like ranked and shit like that. And And it's literally... Getting podcast reviews is one of the most difficult things ever. Totally. When I launched, you know, how many friends that I have in my life, like two yeah. gave a review, yeah. even though I asked them. And exactly. It's like, to get random strangers is even... Literally. Harder. So if you do that, we love you. Take care and we'll see you next time.